All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, can you do me a favor, man? Can you jump to your feet? Can you jump to your feet, Lawrence Burke? Can we just make 15 seconds of noise one more time for the Lord Jesus? Come on, man. If you're thankful for a God who loves you, who laid it all down on the line for you, come on, if you're thankful for grace and strength and peace, come on one more time. Come on, let's honor Jesus in this house. Come on, let's on a cold day. Come on, let's give him our best praise, faith church. Come on. Come on, is anybody thankful for the Lord Jesus today? Come on. Hey, we say it every, day, every week as you have a seat. We just say this, that Jesus, come on, he is the hope of the world. Whatever you're going through, whatever your challenge, your issue, your struggle, your habit, your heartache, if you'll allow Jesus to meet you where you are, it'll be the greatest decision that you've ever made. And so wherever you're at in your spiritual journey, come on, man, press in, open up your heart, and allow God to meet you again right where you are. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor here at Faith Church and want to say welcome to our Florence campus. We're so glad that in spite of some incoming and clement weather, you decided to be here live. Can we give some love to our Lawrenceburg Faith Church family? They got a little bit of ice up there. We're so glad that you're in the house. And we know there are many of you because of COVID, weather or whatever, you're watching online. We just want to say welcome and we're so glad that you decided to tune in. Whether you're Faith Church family, you're a VIP and a first-time guest, man, we're so glad that you're connected. And again, ultimately, we hope that you encounter Jesus and not just a church or a group of people. Well, listen, we've been in this series entitled Vogue. Come on, everybody say Vogue. Vogue is this idea of what's in style. What's, what's the prevailing style on the boulevard? What should we wear? In February, we know we've been saying this is fashion month. So in all of the major cities of the world, there are these People getting together, dressing models, trying to demonstrate to the world what they should wear. But what we've been discovering is the same way the world has a lot to say about what you wear, what's in style, what's happening, God has a lot to say on the idea of fashion. In fact, through this series, what we've been doing is try to answer the question for us as Christ followers, like, what is vogue for Christ followers? If God has a lot to say, which he does, on the subject of fashion, again, not so much really what we dress on the outside, but really how we carry ourselves and how we walk. If God has a lot to say on the subject of what's vogue, then what is vogue for a Christ follower? And so week one, if you weren't here, just a real quick recap, and you can always watch all of our messages online. Go back and check them out. But in week one, we talked about this idea that all the way in the beginning, God created man and God created woman and God created us to have a relationship with him. And Adam and Eve ultimately committed cosmic rebellion. They sinned against their creator. And they're not the only ones. We do it too. Where we sin, where we choose to live life outside of God's boundaries and outside of God's word and God's will. And what we found out was Adam and Eve, because of sin, immediately experienced shame and guilt. And so Adam and Eve, they were the original tailors. They tried to clothe themselves. They tried to ultimately cover themselves with something that would cover their sin, their guilt, and their shame. And what we found out is that we do the same thing. We try to cover our own guilt, sin, and shame. We don't, like, we don't go public with our mistakes. We don't shout out our sin. We try to cover it. We try to hide it. And so ultimately, week one, we discovered this big idea that we can never really clothe ourselves. We can't cover our sin with good deeds. We can't cover our good, sin, our good deeds with enough right behavior because ultimately all of us are clothed in a robe of unrighteousness. Because of our sin, we are wearing a, a robe that is stained with sin and ripped with rebellion. But come on, is anybody here thankful for Jesus who showed up to give us a robe of righteousness to cover us with his grace? And so ultimately, we've been saying this throughout this series of Romans chapter 13, verse 14. This is the challenge is that we clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
That when you make a decision as an individual, when you make a decision as a person to put your hope in Jesus as your Savior, to put your faith in ultimately his resurrection, that that's where we find new life. That's where we find a covering. So week one, the big point was that acceptance is dependent on apparel. The same way we live in a world that will shame you if, you're not, if you don't have the right style, the right shoes, the right dress. Ultimately, we find acceptance with our creator. We find acceptance with God through Jesus being our Savior to cover our sin. Come on one more time. Is anybody thankful for a great and mighty Savior? So last week, we talked about and we moved kind of forward in this idea that it's not just about putting on Christ. But the Apostle Paul, he uses all of this language as he wrote letters in the New Testament Again, we talked about it last week that the New Testament is primary letters to groups of Christians in major cities. And he used this, this language to help people understand what a spiritual journey was about, what faith was about, like how we walk this thing out. That ultimately, when you come into a relationship with Jesus, that's, not, that's, like, that's the beginning. That's not the destination. That's the starting point. And when you become a Christ follower, you start to walk this out. And he describes that behavior. He describes that lifestyle is ultimately putting stuff on. And last week, we looked at a section of scripture written to this church in the city of Ephesus, and he really said this, that, hey, all of us have a spiritual enemy. All of us are in a fight. Come on, has anybody experienced a fight in life? Anybody here ever felt some pushback, some discouragement, some struggle? He says that comes from a real spiritual enemy that we have, and the way you're going to overcome that enemy is you have to dress for success. you got to put on the armor of God. you got to fight the fight. The winning is in our wardrobe. We said it last week that your success is dependent on suiting up. Yeah. Come on, we are being in vogue as a Christ follower is living a life of truth. And so today, as we lean into week number three, come on, everybody shout Vogue. Vogue. What is Vogue? For Christ followers. So we were traveling last week, and so unfortunately, I didn't get to sit like some of you and watch the Super Bowl. Got it like in bits and pieces in airports. But how many people watched the Super Bowl? Come on, last week, you, you got to tune in. Yeah. Crazy, isn't it? I mean, here, Tom Brady, in year number 20 in his career, that was his 10th Super Bowl appearance. Wow. That guy, for every two years he's played in the league, one of every two years, he's in a Super Bowl. And he won seven of his 10 appearances. I mean, just absolutely mind-blowing. And a lot of people, when they tuned off, turned off the TV, 10 out of 20 years, his seventh, they said this, that Tom Brady, he's the GOAT. He is the greatest of all time. Anybody, come on, anybody here at Lawrenceburg Faith Church, come on, anybody here believe that Tom Brady's the GOAT? Now, some people still say it's Joe Montana. How many people think maybe Joe Montana's still the GOAT? All right, how many people think like Michael Jordan, he is the GOAT? What about LeBron James? Anybody here think LeBron James? Come on, I had to throw him out. Come on, he's my GOAT. But here's what's crazy is as you watch the journey of Tom Brady, I've been watching him for years play, and I remember all the way back to Super Bowl 38, 2004. That was the second, the second Time he won a Super Bowl. Second time in three years. And here's what's crazy. Most of you guys will remember this if you were watching it is that the next day, Monday morning, when the Super Bowl was over, Tom Brady won his second, uh, his second, not just second Super Bowl, but he won his second MVP. But the talk of the town wasn't Tom Brady. The talk of the town was the halftime show. And the reason was that was the year that Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson was the stars of the halftime show. And some of you will remember 
because what they described as a, come on, a wardrobe malfunction. Basically, Janet Jackson was exposed to 90 million viewers in America. A wardrobe malfunction. Now, here's why I bring that up is, again, because that was really the talk of the town the next day, not Tom Brady. And as you lean into the conversation that the Apostle Paul has to say about us as Christ followers, he has a lot to say that you and I are experiencing wardrobe malfunctions. There are things on our, in our lives, there are things that are a part of our journey that we really need to rip off. There are things, again, he uses the conversation the same way last week he talks about putting things on. Did you know he also talks about what's vogue for Christ followers? Is there things in our life, things we're wearing, things we're walking out that we need to take off? We need to take off of our lives. In fact, he says this in Romans chapter 13, verse 12. Again, listen to the conversation of how he describes taking on and putting off. He says, the night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. He's talking about when Jesus comes back a second time. Is anybody here, come on, looking forward to Jesus coming back? Come on, as our king. He says this, so remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. So again, he uses this conversation. He says, hey, as you're walking it out, there's times that as you look at your life, there's some stuff you got to take off. And if you're going to be successful, you got to suit up. There's some stuff that you have to put on. So my goal today, my agenda today is to lean into the conversation of the Apostle Paul and for us to look inside and decide what are some things that you and I, that we need to take off. In fact, listen to this. He actually gives us some very specific conversation in Ephesians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, that's where we're going to be today. If you're watching at home, you can peel back the pages of Scripture. If you're here, you can always look at the jumbotron behind me. Ephesians chapter 4, I want us to lean into this together, starting at verse 21. Listen to what Paul says about the things we need to put on and take off. He says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, he says, throw off. Everybody shout, throw off. Throw off your old sinful nature in your former way of life. It's like when you walk in, if you've ever been outside and you get caught in the rain, or if you've ever been out four-wheeling and mudding, and you're like, you're filthy dirty, and you come in the house and you just start peeling clothes off like, I'm talking about like you got, a, you got like a, a, a line of clothes leading to the bathroom, to the shower. He's like, man, when you come to Christ, there's some stuff you need to start throwing off. There's some stuff you need to start peeling off your life. He says, so throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. He says, instead, watch this, let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes and put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Isn't that awesome? So like that's the challenge for all of us in this room is to walk this out of figuring out and deciding like what is it that we need to throw off? What is it that we need to put on? And I'm just going to say this up front as we go through, and I'm going to give you four fashion faux pas, four fashion faux pas that the Apostle Paul addresses that specifically addresses that we need to take off. Now, I'm just going to give them to you just real quick, not the names of them, but he talks about lying, stealing, vulgarity, anger. And here's what's crazy is you listen to that list. That's a list that you would find on any daycare wall, isn't it? Like, hey, don't lie, don't steal. It's like, it's like a list of things that you'd find in a high school handbook. Don't cuss, don't cheat. And what's the difference really between Christianity, 
the morality that we have as Christ followers as opposed to the morality of every other major world religion or even for an atheist who say that they're just moral on their own. Well, the difference is we're not just being good. We're not just being moral for morality's sake. The difference is Christ followers is, is first of all, we don't figure out morality on our own and we don't try to keep it on our own. Is anybody here thankful that we have the help of the Holy Spirit when he talks about, come on, we have the Holy Spirit in our lives to walk this faith out. We're not in this thing alone. And we do it with a new heart. I'm not moral to impress anybody. I really want to be a moral person because it's not just about the help of the Holy Spirit and a new heart. It's about honoring God. I want to live a life that honors my creator, that honors my father, and that honors my savior. Come on. That's what this thing's about, and that's why we need to come on, say, take it off. We got to take it off. So I mentioned I was traveling this last week and got to go down for the very first time to uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Anybody here been to Charleston before? Very cool city. If you've Never traveled there. I would encourage you maybe to take some time. My first time there, my wife and I, we met some friends. In fact, we were there with um, one of the organizations that we support through Kingdom Builders, Trinity Bible College, and graduate school, pumping out some incredible students to pastor churches all over the world. And so we were there hanging out. Obviously, I had some free time. And so we took a couple tours, which were really interesting. I enjoy history, architecture. Well, most of you may or may not know, but Charleston was the first. It was the first colony, so it's the oldest city was amazing to go through it. One of the reasons it was so amazing is because specifically in the historic district, all of the buildings are original. Taking these carriage rides and listening to our tour guide describe what we were seeing was basically like like looking at buildings the same way they were all the way back in the 1700s. So mind-blowing, like you're looking at the buildings as they were. And so he talked about how they've maintained the look in the historic district to look like it's looked for hundreds of years. And one of the rules they have in Charleston in the historic district is once something becomes 75 years old, it cannot change ever on the external. So once something is 75 years old, it remains unchanged. You can do what you want to the, outside, to the inside. You can modernize it all you want. You can tear down walls. You can have an open floor plan, closed floor plan. You can have the most modern uh, appliances. But on the outside, once it's 75 years old, it remains the same. So as you're driving down the road, there are literally lanterns on the front of these houses that are still gas-fed like they were 200 years ago. And you can't put an electric switch on there with a light bulb out there. It's not allowed because it's beyond the rule. And as we're driving through this carriage ride, I started thinking about this message and thinking about a lot of Christ followers. And how many of us in this room are watching in Lawrenceburg or watching online, like that describes our journey. Like we've experienced life change on the inside, but it's not really shown up on the outside. Come on, we ask God to show up and God, come on, God forgives us and God heals us and God restores us. And God does all of this stuff on the inside, but a lot of us are historic and we look exactly like we did the day we got saved. What I've come to tell you today is it's time that the outside starts to match the inside, that what Jesus has done on the inside starts to ebb and flow to the outside, that we become new creatures in Christ, that we walk out this faith, that we throw off our old nature and we put on the new to be a light of shining example, to honor our God into the light through a dark and dying world. Come on, is anybody in this room, anybody in Lawrence before, throwing off the old and putting on the new? And so four fashion faux pas we're going to go over real quick that the Apostle Paul talks about, things that we need to address. Here's fashion faux pas number one, the dress of deception. The dress of deception. Listen to what he says, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. He says, so stop telling lies. Look at somebody beside you and say, come on, stop telling lies. 
Come on, you got to tell somebody because everybody in this room lied one time or another. How many liars we got in the room? I can't tell because you're liars. Are you telling me the truth or not? I mean, here's those, those words, isn't that? Stop telling lies. So stop telling lies. Think about how simple those words are, but how counter they are to the culture we live in. People lie all the time. We are a lying culture. There's a book, So Americans Start Telling the Truth, and it lays down all these statistics that 96% of Americans admit they lie on a regular basis. People lie to their spouse. People lie to their kids. They lie to their siblings. They lie to their boss. They lie, lie, lie. Y'all are a bunch of liars, and it's time to take it off. Like, again, we are a lying culture. It's everywhere we look. And we, I think, try to justify there are a lot of reasons that we lie. Think about some of the reasons that you have lied in the past. A lot of times it's about power lying. Power lying is when you feel like you need to be deceptive. You need to not tell the truth. You lie because it's a power play. Whether you lie on a resume, whether you lie, right, you're trying to get ahead in life. It's, it's, the, it's the power play. A lot of times it's, it's the profit lying. Again, we try, to, we try to make sure that, again, we close the deal. We don't disclose the whole truth. We try to sell the house, sell the car, and we lie. We're deceptive because we want to make a profit. Profit lying, power lying, praise lying. We try to put on a false show so we celebrate it by people so we be accepted in the inner circle. I think probably the number one reason people lie is protective lying. No, baby, you look great in those jeans. Let's go. Like, I gotta, like you, don't, you don't want to admit to your boss you just were lazy and overslept. No, you had a flat tire. Like, we try to protect ourselves. So there's lots of reasons we lie, but even though culture's lying, as Christ followers, we take a new path because, again, we have a new heart with the help of the Holy Spirit, and we want to honor our Creator. So the Apostle Paul says, you need to take off all of the deception and lying. You need to lay down the fashion faux pas, the dress of deception, and we need to start telling the truth. Think about this. As you go back and you figure out who God is as he reveals himself in Scripture, one of the things that stands out most is that God is a God of truth. In fact, Jesus, he makes this announcement. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus identifies himself as the truth. And in the same story, Jesus ultimately identifies Satan as the father of lies. So Jesus is truth. Satan is about lies. So here's the question. Who's your daddy? Like, who are you dressing like? Who are you walking like? If you're taking notes, just real quick, we are least like Christ when we lie because he's the truth. And we are most like Satan when we lie because he's the father of lies. So again, we minimize it. Come on, pastor, it's just a little white lie. It's no big deal. And the apostle Paul, through God's word, he says, ultimately, it's a very big deal. And here's why it's such a big deal. It's not just about not being deceptive, but ultimately, here's what he goes on and says. He doesn't just say, so stop telling the truth. He says, let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all part of the same body. See, deceptive, or lies is not just deceptive, it's destructive. Because it's not just about not telling people lies. Come on, did you know that we need people to tell us the truth? We need sometimes somebody to get up in our chili. We need somebody who lives beside us, who knows our struggles. Come on, you don't always need someone in your life that co-signs your bad decisions. Sometimes we need somebody to say, no, that person's not right for you. No, you need to run from that relationship. No, you need to walk away from that career. No, you need to lay that thing down. Come on, is anybody thankful for some friends who are willing to tell us the truth? 
Jesus said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free, which means people always just kind of going along with what you're going through and, and never challenging you, never holding you to account, never helping you be better. Those aren't real friends. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The more we have people who are, he- who are alongside of us in life, not lying to us, but telling us the truth, not shaming us, not guilting us, but just holding us to account. That's ultimately how we're going to get where we need to go in our, in our spiritual journey is people who are telling us the truth. G, uh, Paul said it earlier. He says that we're to speak the truth in love. Like our goal should never be to wound people but to help people. I just want to just hone in real quick again. I want you to notice that he says the people we tell the truth to are our neighbors and the body of Christ. Jesus never intended his body to be the people who shame the world. That's not your job. Your job is not to get on Facebook and tell people who don't know Jesus that they're living like they don't know Jesus. They know that. Our job is to tell people who are in the house, in the church, and not just anybody. If you see somebody coming in, if you don't know their name, you have no right to talk to them. He says those who are your neighbor, those who you're close to, those who you're connected to, those who you're doing life with, and those who are of the household of faith, those who are walking out, those who profess Christ, you can hold them accountable to live for Jesus. Let's go, somebody. Everybody shout the truth. We need to put on truth and take off the dress of deception. Fashion faux pas, number two, he addresses is the apparel of anger. Listen to what he says, Ephesians 4.26, for all the angry people. Where you at? Where's my angry people at? If you have patched holes in your walls at home, <laughs> lean in. If you have wanted to run cars off the road, pay attention. If you have ever been kicked out of a game at a child's sporting event, take notes. Did our youth pastor recently get kicked out of a game? Let's show him some honor. Let's go. Pastor Ryan, we would like you to take notes right here. Be since fort. Let's go. Come on. I'm living out the last one. I'm telling the truth, brother, right here. I know his name. I can hold him to that level. Let's go. Ephesians 4.26, and he says this. He says, and don't sin. By letting anger control you. And don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Watch this, verse 27. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. So again, when you lean into this conversation, the apostle Paul is looking at us as Christ followers. He says, hey, a huge fashion faux pas that a lot of us are walking in is we are wrapping ourselves. We are walking in the apparel of anger. And God's word has a ton to say on this issue. Let me just go through a couple quick scriptures. Psalm 37, verse 8. He says, so stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Don't lose your temper. It only leads to harm. Proverbs 29, 11. Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. The wise quietly hold it back. Proverbs 14, 17. Short-tempered people do foolish things. Now, here's what we all know is true is, Honestly, I don't even really have to look at Scripture to know everything we're saying is true. Neither do you. We look at a world right now that is on fire with rage, and they're burning things down around them. Counselors say that 50% of their patients that they deal with, Christian counselors say 50% of the people that they deal with, in some level or another, that they're dealing with issues of anger, either personal issues of anger or they have been victims of anger. People who are angry... uh, It's hurting your joy, it's robbing you of your joy, and it's hurting your health. 
And what's crazy is we justify it and we say it's no big deal. And the Apostle Paul comes along and says, hey, in your spiritual journey, at some point, you need to take off anger. You need to stop allowing it to control you. You need to stop telling yourself, this is just who I am. I'm Irish. I'm Italian or I'm whoever I am. That's how my daddy was. That's how my mama was. Like, that's who we are. We got Indian blood. Like, whatever your thing is that you're justifying based on your culture, based on your heritage, that it's okay. You got a brand new creation. You got a brand new identity. You're a Christ follower first. That takes over our new identity. He says, if you're going to be that person, then you have to take off the rage. Let's go, somebody. Take off the anger and stop letting it control you. But here's what's really outrageous is I want you to notice he goes on. He says this. He says um, that don't let anger control you. So he doesn't just say stop. Don't, don't stop being angry. Just don't let it control you. Because on the conversation of anger and rage, did you know that there's a place for rage? That there's a place for anger? I think as Christ followers, I think we ought to be angry at injustice in our world. I think we ought to be angry that kids are taken advantage of. I think we ought to be angry at child pornography. I think we ought to be angry that women are beaten and abused and taken advantage of. I think we ought to be angry at misogyny. I think we ought to be anger, uh, angry at racism. I think we ought to be angry at injustice. I think we ought to be angry uh, when people are taken advantage of and people are hurt. I think if anybody should be upset as people who understand the value we have because we understand a Savior laid down his life for our life, and he didn't just do it for our life, he did it for all life, we ought to be upset. We have a God who has a righteous anger at sin and brokenness in this world. And because we are his children, we ought to have an anger in our lives. Now, just because you're angry, he says again, he says, don't let it rule your life, which means you shouldn't be breaking things because you're angry, but you should be driven to fix things. You're taking notes. Watch this. Uh, Anger should lead to helping people, not hurting people. As we celebrate Black History Month, I want you to understand that there was a person who is a model of this in our history, and it was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who understood that he had a place and a voice in this world to say it was time for people of color to stop being treated separately, stop being treated as subhumans, stop being treated as second-class citizens, and he stood up, and he was a voice of righteous anger against what he was doing, and he did it in a way where he was helping people and not hurting people. That is the model we have as our, as our Christ, as our Savior, that we need to be people that we ought to get upset about some stuff that's not right in this world. You ought to get upset about some stuff that's happening happening in your home. You ought to get upset about some stuff that's happening in your marriage and stand up against it. Don't let anger control you, but let it drive us to be better people living in a better world because we serve a better Savior. Let's go, somebody. So think about all the things we're wearing. We are dressed with deception. We're wearing the apparel of anger. Fashion faux pas number three, real quick, is the robe of robbery. Now, a lot of us won't admit to this, but notice he says, if you're a thief, quit stealing. Now, a lot of us, we're like, hey, like I've never walked into a bank. I've never walked in and held up a gun. But he's talking about like when you steal from your boss, when you steal time, when you steal office supplies, when you just take anything that doesn't belong to you. And I'm just going to throw this out to friends of mine, and I'm not going to name you by name, but if you you borrow something, you not brought it back at this point, I'm considering you a thief. Let's go, somebody. Come on, if you got a library book at home that you booked out somewhere in 1982, come on, he's talking to you. Let's go. Stop stealing. Stop being a thief. That's pretty simple. Nothing very revolutionary about it. But again, the revolutionary thought that the Apostle Paul has for us and the life change that we walk out is found in this part. He says, instead, use your hands for good hard work. And then give generously to others in need. 
I want you to notice the, the contrast that he's giving. He's saying this. He's saying, hey, it's not about this idea about how you provide for yourself, that you can either provide for yourself by being a thief or you can provide, by your, provide for yourself by getting a job. The issue isn't us. The issue is always others. As Christ followers, we are called to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, heart soul, strength, and might, and we are called to love others as ourselves. As Christ followers, we are called to be about others. So the issue isn't about how you provide for yourself. Do you provide for yourself by stealing or do you provide for yourself by getting a job. The issue is, listen, stop stealing and just making it about you because stealing hurts others. But when you get a job, you can help others. Come on, somebody. That's how we bless the world we live in is by being generous. Some of us are wearing the robe of robbery on a consistent basis because ultimately when you don't tithe, did you know God says that we are robbing God? A lot of us, we get paid, we close the contract, we get the raise, we get the paycheck, and instead we spend it on ourselves and we put on the robe of robbery. A lot of us, we make life about ourselves, our bank account, our 401k, everything we get is me, my, I, and ours. And as Christ followers, God says, stop making it about you and stop figuring out, start figuring out how to help those around you. When you're a tither, you're a giver to the house and you help. When you're a kingdom builder, come on, somebody, I'm thankful that we have some kingdom builders in the house. Lawrenceburg, come on, is anybody here thankful that we make it about other people? We love the world around us. That's what it's about when you take off the robe of robbery. Is again, this idea of how do we help others? How do we invest? How do we, how do we help people along in their, in their journey? And the last one, number four, fashion faux pas number four, is the clothing of corrupt communication. He's talking about, he's talking about all the people that, that cuss. I'm not talking about Christian cussing today. Come on, we got Christian cusses or not. That's when you say, say dang, dang it. Some of you that just bothered you. Shoot. Like, we just don't say, like, we get as close as we can. He says, hey, listen, for all of you that are talking like the world, if you are struggling with crude conversation, if you're walking with this vulgarity, language, he says, hey, if you're a Christ follower, at some point in your spiritual journey, like, you have to take that off. In fact, Ephesians 4.29, don't use foul and abusive language. Some of you are about to have a quiet lunch. We can't lie. We can't. But pastor, I heard a really great joke this week. Can I just get that one off? Run it by me and I'll let you know. No. <laughs> he says, hey, at some point again, even our language starts to change as Christ followers. If you're taking notes, vulgarity is not a reflection of the words in your mouth, but the heart you have. Because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So again, the more that we change on the inside, the more we start to change on the outside, the more God deals with the heart and helps us grow. And we walk in our faith and we get closer to Jesus. Again, that starts to show up as we, we're transformed on the inside. We are, we are righteous on the inside. We have put on Christ. 
We are, we are, we are um, positionally righteous. You are righteous in the eyes of God. You are as perfect and forgiven and as, as grace-filled as you will ever be. God loves you as much as he will ever love you right now, which is all the way, all the time. But we start walking that out on the, un, out on the outside where, where practically we start to reflect who we are. And we do that by looking at our lives and all the fashion faux pas that we commit as Christ followers, the dress of deception. We got to stop lying. The apparel of anger, like stop allowing anger to control you for any reason. There's reasons to be angry. But a lot of us are getting angry about things that don't really matter. He says, as you walk this life out, he says, God will help you. The Holy Spirit will start putting his finger on issues. And when he puts a finger on an issue in your life, man, take it off and put on who you're called to be. And he comes and he says, here's the crazy thing is because... As a, as a nation, like I remember, I don't know if anybody, like I'm the old dude in the room. I remember I used to be the young dude, now I'm the old dude in the room. Like I'm back from a generation where I remember like you wouldn't even find a cuss word on TV. Like it just didn't happen. And then like it just started like easing into culture. And they would say, like, the easy words. Use your imagination. I can't say them. And then, like, I remember the first time they started dropping F-bombs on primetime TV. And I'm like, boom, what? Like, if you wanted good cussing, you had to go to the movies. And again, what's, what's okay? I mean, the world's the world. And until they know Jesus, I'm not going to, like, I'm going to love them and I'm going to encourage them and I'm going to try to introduce them into the Jesus who changed my life and saved me and forgave me. But until they take that step, I'm not here to tell them to stop. I'm here to be who Jesus has called me to be. And you need to be who Jesus has called you to be. And so he says, I need you to, like, take off the clothing of corrupt communication. Stop being vulgar. Stop being crude. Stop sounding like the world because you've been changed on the inside. Start changing on the outside. Start taking some stuff off. But again, what I want you to notice is this pattern that he's been talking about. He says, be angry or don't be angry, but if you're going to be angry, be angry about the right things. He says, don't, don't just steal. Stop being a, don't just stop being a thief. Instead, start being generous. Don't be, don't be a taker, be a giver. And so this same pattern continues on this last one. Notice he doesn't just say stop being vulgar. I want you to notice what he says. Next verse. He says, so let everything you say. I want everybody in this room, I want you to read this last verse with me. Lawrenceburg, everybody online, I want you to read this. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be encouraging to those who hear them. So again, he's, here's the idea. He's saying, he's saying the way your words change, as long as they're foul, as long as they're vulgar, the word he uses to describe them is rotten. It's worthless. I don't know if anybody has experienced this, you know, like you go to the fruit bowl or you go to the apple drawer in your refrigerator, like, man, just, there's just nothing like for me like the crunch of a fresh apple. It just, and like it just pops. And there is nothing worse to me, man, when I want, come on, an A-P-P-L-E. And you grab it and you just tell right away and you bite into it and it's just, I mean, it's not really bad yet, but it's, when you hit a bruise, he says, hey, when, when you live in this world and you're using your words to give life, 
and to lift up and to encourage, to build up, to speak value, to see purpose, to share hope. He says, man, you're like that fresh apple. But when you're vulgar, when you're crude, when you're rude, he says, your words are rotten. And who God is is who we've been called to be like, to be like Jesus. And one of the markers of the God we serve is he's a God of redemption. Everybody say redemption. He's redeemed us. You know what that means? He's given us back our original purpose. We were lost in sin, and he bought us back to be his children. He's redeemed us. And so because God is a redeemer who redeems things, we're called to redeem things to give them their original purpose. So God's given you and I the power of words. He says, so take off the vulgarity and the profanity. Instead, put on words that'll help. So as we close today, here's what I want you to hear. Ultimately, what we're called to do is we dress to impress. When you get dressed, that's why we dress. That's why we wear what we wear. We dress to impress. We wear what we wear because we want others to like what they see. And that might be okay in the natural, but ultimately we need to dress to bless. I'm going to put things on to bless the world. I'm going to put on generosity. I'm going to put on truth. I'm going to put on righteous anger. Because think about this. You know, a lot of clothes we wear, man, it's all about comfort. It's not just style. It's about comfort. But I was thinking about like firemen. I don't know if you've ever put on the garb of a fire person, people who fight fires, but it's heavy, it's uncomfortable, it's hot. I had the opportunity just to put one on for like a couple minutes, and I thought I could never imagine. Like you can barely move in it. It's just very uncomfortable, very weighty, very heavy. To try to go into a burning building and fight a fire and get anybody out, like it is absolutely, oh, it feels very, very challenging, very difficult. But I want you to hear this. Firefighters wear what they wear, not because it's fashionable, but because it's functional. And as people of faith, we need to not wear what's fashionable. Everybody in the world is like, oh, you're so cool. You're so hip. You're so, like, I'm not here to be fashionable. I'm here to be functional. I'm here to be the light of the world, the hope that Jesus is through me. Come on, somebody. Is anybody in this room ready to be functional? We need to lay down the, the fashion faux pas that we have picked up as a part of our previous life. We need to take them off, and we need to put on Jesus. So I want to just challenge you today. Don't dress to impress, dress to bless. How many of you here as we close and say, Pastor, there's some things, maybe as you were talking, that I need to begin to take off. Or maybe not the four I talked about, but you go on and read. He says, take off rage, anger, unrighteousness, unholy speech. Like he goes through, take off debauchery, drunkenness. It's like in case you missed the big four, he goes on a list that I think hits all of us in Florence and all of us in Lawrenceburg. And so I just would invite you, will you stand with me? I just want to pray. Because I need this too. Because there's times silly anger gets a hold of me. And times I cross the line in my speech and it's not as helpful as it should be. So I just want you all, come on, will you just hold your hands out? I just want you to... Remember when you were a little kid and, I mean way back... And mom and dad had to undress you. I just want to ask the Holy Spirit to help you to take some things off. So Heavenly Father, we come 
And Lord, there's no doubt in my mind that all of us in this room, we want to be like Jesus. We want to walk out our faith. But Lord, we struggle to let go. We struggle daily to walk it out. But again, we have the help of the Holy Spirit. So God, will you help all of us? Will you help us to take off the corrupt clothing of our previous life? And will you help us to put on Jesus? Will you help us to to stop lying and start speaking truth? Will you help us to stop stealing and start being generous? Will you help us to stop getting angry about the wrong things and to put on righteous anger? And will you help us to take off corrupt communication and put on words that build up and speak life? And Lord, again, we do it all for the glory of the name of Jesus. And everybody who agreed said amen. Amen. God bless you guys.